Thomist. So, yes, I'm doing, yeah, <laughs> wreck the Eastern heretics. Oh, gosh. You're a Lutheran, too, so they wouldn't, they definitely wouldn't like you saying that. Okay. Hello from Spain. Hola. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing this at like 5.50 in the morning. This is a uh, hammer of the heretics. So, I'm doing this early in the morning because later today I'm going to be traveling to Hendersonville to um, to go to mass. So I will I'm just confused by what the other Paul means right here. So I'm going to just do one early in the morning before I go to bed because as you guys know, I don't go to bed until early in the morning because I work throughout the night. So uh, I decided that I've been doing a lot of reading on the Filioque recently and some of the neo-scholastics. Uh, the best one is going to be Father Lonergan's um, De, uh, De Deotrino, um, Pars Dogmatica, or I think it's just called On the Trinity Doctrines in English. So that is what I would recommend, since I know you guys are going to ask about books. But this is going to be one from David Erhan, or whoever pronounced his last name, he makes some pretty bad arguments for the filioque here. So this is what I'm going to be doing. Why would we care about being called heretics by those who don't even have a proper doctrine of God? Oh man, don't do them. Don't do them like that. Okay, so I guess I will just begin real quick because I am watching my son. So if he starts crying, I don't know what I'll do. Maybe I'll just uh, play some video from my last Filioque stream, the one where I make the theological argument. I'm just going to check on him real quick. Yep, he's sleeping. Okay. So yeah, on my last Filioque stream, my last two, I guess, I kind of just did positive arguments for the Filioque, um, theological arguments for its necessity. Now, there's some disagreements when it comes to the argument I made between Scotus and Thomas, but when it comes to the Greeks, when it comes to the Greeks, they just don't really know much dogmatically um, when it comes to scholastic argumentation. Like there's a funny story from the Council of Florence where St. Mar uh, sorry, not St. Uh, Mark of Ephesus, um, he he basically, in order to try to own the Thomists, just took a <laughs> took all the arguments from Scotus because he couldn't figure out how to own the Thomists. So there's that disagreement right there uh, that we have between the Scotus and the Thomists. 
But I, again, the Greeks aren't even on that level yet, and I don't even know why I'm telling them about uh, about that argument. Maybe they'll eventually that'll be the new thing in online orthodoxy, is they'll find out all of Scotus's arguments against Thomas's argument and Saint Anselm's argument too, um, against the well for the filioque. So he, this is what I'm gonna be doing real quick. I just have some notes that I took. I don't know if I'm gonna use my notes at all because. These are all just my personal notes on Trinitarian theology. I don't think I'll really need to go into them since I'll just be responding to to their arguments. But it is it is interesting, and trust me, from from the very days of Photius, they have not improved their argumentation at all. It still is terrible. So we will see that today. Um, that it has not improved in what? How long has it been? Like eleven hundred years. Like, well, we think you guys get a little bit better arguments by now, but it's really uh, quite embarrassing. Let me see if there's anything else in the chat. Notes are for women and homosexuals. Very true. Very true. And what I, yes, Christian Wagner crushes the other Paul's filioque denial. I guess before I start, now that the other Paul is here, I'm going to own the other Paul. So the other Paul, if you guys don't know, maybe I'll just go boom real quick. So if you haven't started yet, the other Paul, he is a Protestant. He is one of the few people probably in the entire history of the world who disagrees with both baptismal regeneration and with the filioque. So he is he's in a very special category, an absolute category of his own. So basically, the other Paul's argument, and, I, and to be fair to him, uh, to be fair to you, the other Paul, you said that you haven't really like looked into it a super big, great deal. Uh, it's basically just uh, machad biblicism. Um, it says, from the sun, therefore, it's only from the sun. So dealing specifically, um, looking through my notes real quick, because I did take notes on this issue of sacred scripture. Um when it comes to John fifteen twenty six, so I guess I uh, will pull that up pretty quick. And I guess since you're since you're a prot, I'll use the KJV. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of Truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Okay, so what Paul's going to argue from is that since it says proceedeth from the Father, and this is going to be similar to Orthodox argumentation, it doesn't mention Father and Son, therefore uh, filioque debunked. So the first thing to note from this text is that um, ek peruo, if I'm remembering correctly, that does not immediately signify um, uh hypostatic uh, well eternal hypostatic origin it, this could possibly interestingly enough because this is the argument they use interestingly enough this could be signifying um a temporal mission so that that's a bit spicy but also in this in this text itself you you go like a like three words before um he is called the spirit of truth now who is the who is the truth uh, being referred to right there. Um, that's obviously going to be the Son. So it's the Spirit of the Son, as we see in the rest of the New Testament. 
And of the sun, they're going to say, though, this is just a temporal mission. But then I'll push back that when it comes to the temporal mission and the sending, there must be some sort of um, eternal, eternal relationship which grounds this sending. And we see this even in the, in, in the clause before that, whom I will send unto you from the Father. So we see this idea of from the Father through the Son um, as one principle, which is basically just the, the Latin view right there, from the Father through the Son. Uh, and it's it's really almost almost impossible to deny from this uh, verse unless you just cope all the time and scream like temporal missions whenever it happens to so suit you. And then it's also important to note that even if you're going to take this as um, proceedeth from the Father as, let's say, the eternal uh, um, aspiration of the Spirit, it never says alone. And as St. Thomas Aquinas says, it is a rule of Holy Scripture that whatever is said of the Father applies to the Son, although there be added an exclusive term. So we see throughout sacred Scripture that every time um, the Father is adduced, we always include um, the Son unless there is an exclusive term of alone, which is, which is added. So that's responding specifically to to that objection. But it is interesting that basically like the rest of the verse seems to be teaching uh, the filioque um, from the father through the son as one principle, uh, the, the, just the entirety of the rest of the verse. But uh, apparently um, that doesn't matter. We'll just keep screaming uh, proceedeth from the from from the father. So, um, again, throughout the New Testament, uh, the spirit of the Son, the spirit of Christ, there must be some uh, belonging and eternal relationship which grounds this. Um, again, in John 20, 22, the, the Son is breathed, I mean, the Spirit is breathed from the Son, and uh, the mission of the Spirit throughout the, the New Testament, um, there must be some sort of eternal grounding to this mission. And then the interesting, and I think at least the most convincing, has to do with John 16, 13 through 15. And it says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will teach you all truth. For he does not speak of himself, but what things soever he shall hear, he shall speak. And the things that are to come, he shall show you. He shall glorify me, because he shall receive of mine, and shall show it to you. All things whatsoever the Father hath are mine. Therefore, I said that he shall receive of mine and show it to you. So notice, the Father has received, I mean, the, the Son has received from the Father. So the Father being the, the sole principle, the sole cause, as the uh, Easterners will say, of the Godhead. And the Father is giving to the Son. So clearly this eternal relationship, because how else could you really speak of giving since they have the same being, the same essence, the same nature? When it, when it comes to giving, that has to be referring to something which is hypostatic. And now in the, in the same, in the same um, pericope, it's, it's talking about the, the spirit being giving some, given something from the son. So again, from the father through the son, if you're going to be consistent with the, the pericope and obviously um understand the son's relationship to the father being spoken of as that of um, eternal generation, you're going to have to see the relationship with the son of the spirit of being eternal spiration. And then the, the SDS, it, it comments on this verse, and I thought this was really good. But the Holy Spirit cannot hear or accept something from another person except by the communication of essence, with which knowledge he is identified, namely by procession from that person. Therefore, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Son. Because I have, honestly, I have no clue how the Easterners get out of this. 
Um, because when you have the spirit receiving something or the son receiving something, um, what are what else are they going to receive besides the the the, the eternal communication? It's not going to be something which is which is temporal when it refers to receiving, obviously, and it's not going to be uh, anything else but a hypostatic existence. So, and then if you want to argue the whole um, that ekparuo uh, always refers to always refers to um, the uh, eternal spiration. If we go to Revelation, or the Apocalypse of St. John, if you're based, Revelation 22.1, um, you see, uh, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. So notice the throne of God. God is in the New Testament frequently just the notional name of the Father, as I've pointed out before against Muslims. And then Lamb is obviously the uh, is going to be the, the name referring to the Son. So this pure water of life is proceeding out of the throne, and then we can uh, change it to of the Father and the Son. So in, that is that is very interesting. So uh, there is some sort of spiration uh, of the Father and the Son going on here. And water of life, um, this is frequently a, a term which is referenced to um, as the Holy Spirit in, in uh, the Old Testament prophets, uh, such as the text from Ezekiel, and in the New Testament itself, the water of life is typologically referred to as the, uh, as the Spirit. So um, that, I guess that's my quick uh, New Testament presentation for the other Paul to make him be a based uh, filioque lover. Okay, let me, and and uh, sixty six percent of you guys left after that one. So, let me see what. Uh, oh, heretic. Am I the heretic or is the other Paul the heretic? I'm interested. Are you Jewish? The other Paul is Prot. Oh man, you guys are you guys are getting him. The only thing that's stopping us from burning him at the stake is is he is Australian. Oh man. Okay, so the other Paul says, through the sun makes better sense, but from the little I've seen, that was a shift away from from the sun. No, not really, um, but we can we can uh, talk about that uh, sometime later, maybe one time in VC, because um, there, there's actually a really good article in one of the uh, neo-scholastics where he talks about um, afilio and then perfilium, so... Um, from the sun versus through the sun and how they're basically talking about the same thing. And you get St. Maximus, the confessor saying they're basically the same thing and, and, and so on and so forth. And interestingly enough, there was uh, actually, this goes back to, um, I want to say ninth century Frankish theologians, the ninth century Frankish theologians. If you read in uh, the Liber Carolini, um, I want to say book three, if, if I'm remembering correctly, but in the book of the Franks, they will they will condemn the Easterners, one, for taking the filioque out of the creed. So they thought the, the Easterners took the filioque out of the creed. 
And then second, they'll condemn the Easterners for through the sun, saying that it's a corruption. So, uh, yeah. And then then the Pope, uh, I think it was Pope Leo the third, the same guy who the Orthodox always talk about. Oh, he put up he put up the two plaques without the filioque way and he told them not to put the filioque way in the creed, blah, 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 blah. He condemned the the Franks for that and said, hey, stop it. They're they're fine for saying through the sun. And then Leo the third, Pope Leo the third, when he sent um, his synodal letter to the east he said like yeah guys we are uh, we we basically teach the teach the filioque but we're we're making sure we don't speak of it in these terms single principle not blah 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 so you 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 know how it is you know how it is so uh i have i have been blinded by allah for my filioque denial ah uh, okay good okay now let's get back to to david's presentation i'm sure this won't be much better than uh than the other Paul's comments where uh, I, I just debunked him. Okay. This is, I feeling, I have a feeling this is going to be painful. For the sake of brevity, welcome. For those who don't know. And notice comes to this vape right here. I have mentioned on Twitter that I'm quitting. This actually doesn't even work. So, um, so as you will see, no smoke comes out. So I promise I am I, I ingest no nicotine. This is just me with uh not working vape right here. So that is that is all I have to say. So let's see how good David does. Don't 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 try to own me for that. I am nicotine free baby. Welcome. For those who don't know, I am David, and today I will be explaining why the Orthodox Church rejects the filioque. For the sake of brevity, I will not be getting into long historical discussions and trying to justify these things. There are other videos that attempt to do this. Uh, yeah, and to be fair, I'm not going to really get into the historical detail much. This is going to be more of a meta uh, sort of dogmatic overview. But he will get into the the fathers a bit. And his comments on the fathers are, are, are it's very funny. It's very funny, trust me. I'm going to put this on 1.25 speed, by the way. What I want to do here is I want to give you a basic idea, theologically speaking, why we reject the philosophy. Oftentimes, most people get into debates in regards to, again, history. I want to get into the theology, which is what matters. But before we get into this, we have to first understand what it even means. Philosophy means and the sun in Latin, and it refers to the addition in the Nikin Creed in reference to the procession of the Holy Spirit. And so the idea behind this term is that is to state that the Holy Spirit hypostatically proceeds from the Father and the Son. In the left, you're going to see the original Nikin Creed, which states that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father alone. This is the Nikin Creed that was accepted in the... Notice it doesn't say proceeds from the Father alone. It says proceeds from the Father. He added... It, interestingly enough, we see the Orthodox YouTubers are totally against adding to the Nicene Creed, except when it comes to adding alone after Father. Ecumenical councils. On the right, you're going to see with the addition, the same creed, except there's going to be an addition, which says that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. This is the normative way they understand the creed uh, in the West today, whether you're Roman Catholic or Protestant. As I said before, the ecumenical councils accept the original creed, which does not have the filioque clause. But as I said, we are not going to be getting too much into the historical debates. just wanted to mention this. So what is the theology behind the filioque? Well, we already explained what it is about. I could get into, again, more in-depth aspects of it about how uh, the distinctions of the Trinity, according to Roman Catholic view, is that of relations uh, and how they understand relations. But to put it simply, the Filioquist argues the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son as a single principle. 
So this means that the Holy Spirit is caused by two persons, the Father and the Son. You can add the qualification as a single principle all you want, but nevertheless, the causation of the Holy Spirit comes from the Father and the Son. What is the Orthodox view in comparison to this? Well, first of all, we believe that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father alone. And as Orthodox Christians, understanding that God is one in nature and three in persons, meaning that nature and person are distinct, we also understand that God has natural properties. These are properties that make God God. In short, all of the divine persons in the Trinity share these properties. They do not lack a single thing. But also there are hypostatic properties that the divine persons do not share with each other. So these are hypostatic properties. The Father's hypostatic properties are properties that the Son and the Spirit do not have. In this instance, the Father's hypostatic property is being uncaused. Uh, the Son's uh, hypostatic property is being begotten and the Spirit is being spirated or preceded. St. Gregory the Theologian in Oration 34, in, in comment to the Father being uncaused cause, states, again, in Oration 34, everything the Father has belongs to the Son with the exception of causality. This will heavily and very strongly imply that, this, that the Son cannot cause the Spirit. Notice, um, so when it comes to... I feel like I had a note about this, actually. That's kind of gay, me going back to my notes. Or I could just wing it. Okay. Yeah, so when it comes to uh, this uh, causality... Um, it's important that with the Greek fathers, we can gloss um, this statement as being um, uncaused causality, because even in the Latins, we'll say, uh, you, even using this term cause, uh, St. Thomas um, in Against the Errors of the Greeks, book one, I want to say chapter two, he talks about how we can, we can rightly talk about uh, causality in the Trinity, although that's not the best language, we'd rather speak of principle. But with the Father, uh, he is the only, the one uncaused cause. The Son has its causality from the Father. Um, so that's a quick note to make. Which goes against the principle of Filioque. Again, from the same St. Gregory the Theologian, Oration 31 this time, he says, The Holy Spirit, which proceeds from the Father, who inasmuch as he proceeds from that source is no creature, and, is, and inasmuch as he is not begotten is no Son. And so he explicitly states here that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father, and no one else. Oration, the Holy Spirit proceeds. Holy Ghost, which proceeds from the Father, who, inasmuch as he proceeded from that source, is no creature, and inasmuch as he is not begotten, is no son. Notice he just keeps adding alone to this stuff. From the Father, and no one else. In two different orations. Moreover, Saint Gregory the Theologian speaks in detail about how the Father is the uncaused cause, and that the hypostatic properties are not shared. In Oration twenty-five. St. Gregory the Theologian says, Teach also that we must not make the Father subject to another source, lest we posit a first of the first, and thus overturn the divine existence. Nor should we say that the Son or the Holy Spirit is without source, lest we take away the Father's special characteristics. So, to explain this in another way, he's basically saying that only the Father is unoriginate, whereas the Son and the Holy Spirit are originate, meaning that they are caused by the Father. They had their origin in the Father. However, you know, in a paradoxical sense, they're also unoriginate. But this unorigination is in relation to time. Uh, and so, the, in relation to time, they're unoriginate, they're uncreated, right? But in terms of intertrinitarian life, they are originate. They have their origin in the person of the Father. And so, the Father is the monarch of the Trinity. 
bro. That was that was some pretty scanty uh, patristic evidence for you, man. And then and then ironically, uh, we're we're the ones uh, who are. We'll see later how we are uh, actually stupid idiots, us Latins, for uh, quoting the fathers, where they do speak of um, we they do speak uh, perfilium, so uh, through the son. But uh, but yeah, we we can we can uh, speak of from the father. And then um, uncaused cause. I mean, we 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 agree with all of that. Then they just keep glossing alone to everything. Um, so, very 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 strong patristic evidence you have here. I'm I'm glad we have our uh, original and orthodox Christianity, uh, very based and uh, and red pilled orthodox Christianity. I'm so glad we have it. Now, aside from these theological reasons that I've explained, the filioque is just for wonderful theological reasons, man. Not biblical. We really? have, the basis of our understanding that the Spirit proceeds from the Father alone is from John fifteen twenty six, in which the Son says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. And as we stated before, this, for an Orthodox Christian, is a biblical source that the Spirit does not proceed from the Son, but rather from the Father. Now, someone might ask that the, the Son seems to be saying that he will send the Spirit from the Father. Yes, he does seem to be sending that. That's very interesting, David. Which actually implies for okay, that to that objection, I will be responding in this video shortly. Oh, great. But let us move on to the... Okay, let's get our theological problems with the filioque. I'm going to check the chat real quick, see if any of you are, are debunking me. I thought vapes contained nicotine. Yeah, but this one's broken. Look. Nothing. It's broken. It's just an old broken one I had. <clears throat> so, <laughs> bro, don't do them like that. Paul, ortho bros, Paul never says faith alone. <laughs> hey, now. Hey now, don't don't use that argument against me. So your justification is that it is broken. Neat. No, it's broken, so it just doesn't work. So I mean, yeah. Theological problems <clears throat> when you adopt the filioque. Absolute wall of text, by the way. These are issues that Saint Photus the Great outlined in his mystagogy. He states that if the Son also caused the Holy Spirit, then the Son has a hypostatic property the Father has. Well, in a way, this will confuse the, the persons, but it will also mean there are two first causes. Okay, first, um, what? how would that confuse? How would that confuse the persons? This would be akin to saying, well, there are uh, two, two persons in the Trinity that are caused. Isn't that suspicious? Two persons in the Trinity have a hypostatic property that the Father doesn't have. Isn't that quite suspicious, guys? I guess we're confusing the persons over here. And then also we explicitly deny that there are two first causes. And he's going to say, well, well, this is impossible. You can't have uh, two suppositum that make up one principle, or as he would say, one cause. Well, I'm going to ask you, uh, what, is the, what is the principle? of ad extra um, actions of the Trinity. What is the principle of ad extra actions in the Trinity? You can say that there's three principles of, of ad extra activities. Then you would be uh, 
denying inseparable uh, operations, and that would be a huge error, and you'd basically be falling into tritheism. So we can, we see in this example that there can be multiple supposita or persons which make up one principle. So it, 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 the objection is mute. It's basically the fact that he hasn't read um, the, the manual sources and he's only read ought, which ought is like, that, that would be basically, there, there's some church's catechisms which are longer than ought. It's, it's not, ought is great when it comes to the theological notes, but he's not a super comprehensive source. I mean, he's great, but he's not a super comprehensive source. So he's not going to really understand this issue at all. He's not wrestling with the SDS or with Pole or with any of these other um, authors. The implication is very clear. The Wait, I thought I heard my son. Let me see. Real quick. Oh, no, he's fine. He's just shifting around. Okay, I'm going to continue. Father will not be the monarch of the Trinity. The son will also be monarch of the Trinity. Wait a second. What is that? Use the, the persons, but it will also mean there are two first causes. The implication is very clear. The father will not be the monarch of the Trinity. The son will also be monarch of the Trinity. And the spirit will have two causes, meaning there are two first causes. That doesn't necessarily follow. We would just define monarch as the one uncaused cause. Um, or the unprincipled principle, or the unsourced principle. That that that's just how we would define it. So it doesn't necessarily follow. Which will imply dietism, right? But it, in, for, for what? First causes. Which will imply dietism. Dietism. Does, does this man recognize that uh, we, when we talk about the the son's spiritive power that it's received from the father? Oh gosh, Photius is just a disaster. Right, but and, and also it's illogical to say that there are two first causes. Oh, it's just illogical. Or that there are two causes in the intertrinitarian life. Moreover, Saint Photius argues, furthermore, if these people who with all temerity have innovated a communion only between the Father and the Son, then they have excluded the Spirit from this. But the Father and the Son are joined in communion by essence and not by any hypostatical property. Right? So to argue that the Holy Spirit is caused by the Father and the Son is to create a communion between the Father and the Son. That the Holy Spirit is not in. The only way the Holy Spirit can be in this communion is if the Holy Spirit causes another divine person. But that's not what's revealed. And if that was the case, then how could the other divine person be part of that communion? And you will go ad infinitum. There will be an infinite amount of divine persons, which is quite illogical. What kind of Jesuitical tricks is this? He's just like uh, completely uh, unproved assertions. What what principally is wrong with a hypostatic property? that the the father and the son have in different senses one is um a caused cause the other is an uncaused cause or a unprincipled principle and principled principle one which uh, originally has and one which receives from another what what is what is principally wrong with that what is principally wrong with two persons having a hypostatic property in different senses that a third person that the third person does not have there, there's it, it's just completely unproved it's just asserted and thrown out there and this is just all that that photius does it's it's very annoying and so these are some of the issues that i want to mention today 
uh, from Saint Folius the Great on why the Orthodox, why there are certain other theological problems with the doctrine of the filioque. One that I think is very not looking so good yeah, is looking the presuppositions good. behind the filioque. You see, in the, especially in the Roman Catholic oh, aspect, man. but even in the Protestant aspect, because oh, in this gosh. debate, the Protestants and Roman Catholics are on the same side. Ludwig Ott, who is a Roman Catholic dogmatician, says the Holy Ghost proceeds from the will or the mutual love of the Father and the and Son. The Catechism of the Council of Trent likewise states the Holy Ghost proceeds from the divine will, inflamed as it were with love. Yes, that is that is something de fide uh, defina. Actually, is is the theological note de fide? It might it might be the theological note might be lower than that because I know Durandus just said that when we refer to the Holy Ghost proceeding from the will, we are just uh, referring to something which is. Uh, merely um, metaphorical, but no, we we would say the formal constituency properly is the notional will of the Father and the Son. It's the terminus um, uh, ad quem of the um, of the action of the the will. So yes, that is what we would say. So this is correct. And so what we see from here is that the Holy Spirit seems to be an outworking of the divine will. St. Athanasius points outworking of the divine will. Holy Spirit seems to be an outwork. And and you, you know that uh that this is um now when it comes to the early Greek fathers, to be perfectly fair, um, since they are much less developed than the Latin theologians, they don't uh per se talk about uh the because they're they, they don't talk about this as much. Because with the early Greek theologians, they're polemicists they're def they're hanging on for their life against the million her heretical groups that always spring up in the east and still spring up in the east i mean the whole east is a is i guess a heretical group that has sprung up in the east but the latins uh starting with saint augustine have have uh, engaged more in speculative uh treatises so we have um been able to answer a lot more questions, especially when it comes to the specific uh, formal constituency of the um, of the processions. One of that is the the formal constituency of the procession of love or, or the sun being the will. But again, they're they're going to pick up. So that that's regarding the Holy Spirit. So regarding the sun, they're going to pick up on the word language. Even the early Greek fathers will pick up on the word language of the uh, sun being notional uh, intellection, being the terminus ad quem of the intellection of the Godhead. So if you're, if again, you're, you're going to fall into trouble, uh, even if you admit that uh, according to his uh, standards. And again, St. John of Damascus teaches uh, this about the intellection of, of the Godhead with the sun or the word. So there, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. Working of the divine will. Saint Athanasius points out that this is an Arian presupposition. Pro, pro. He says in the third discourse, I believe, against the Arians, no. he says, "A man by counsel builds a house, but by nature he begets a no. son. And what is in building began to come into being at will and is external to the maker." Bro. Later on, he says, "As far then as the son transcends the creature, by so much does what is by nature transcend the will." So. What is very worrying about the filioque, aside from the fact that, the bro, this is this is terrible, this is terrible. I mean, it, it's pretty clear he hasn't read um, the sources on this issue. He he thinks that we fall into the Arian heresy of saying that uh, the sun was created by a certain external action of the will, rather than it being an imminent 
and internal um, rather than a transient and external act of the will. This is this is like we we don't say that the son came about by the by by God being like, okay, I'm willing to, and I think I'm gonna have the the son be built. So I'm gonna yeet a son out there and communicate my essence to him. No, 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 no. It is something which is necessary. Um, which is a necessary uh, imminent procession of the will that this is something completely different than the Arian heresy, which was going to be something which was created by the free will of God. The nice, the monarchy is that the Roman Catholic systemization of it has the same presupposition as the Arians. If the Holy spirit is a, oh, same exact from the will, We're basically first of all, Arians, anything guys. that proceeds from the will has to be a creation. It oh, has it must to be, be an outworking of God. It, that is external be. to God. Uh, obviously but the Holy spirit is it's not definitely not an imminent procession. We definitely didn't think of that. So, once more, this is why for Orthodox Christians, the filioque is unacceptable. Now, I can predict some of you Roman Catholics listening to this, you're going to go into the comment section, you're going to quote mine from this, from whatever blog post you read, and you're going to say, oh, look at this, this proves filioque because this. Oh, yeah, you definitely don't quote mine, dude. I, I definitely think you were just reading, just deeply, just soaking in the early Greek fathers, and that's where you got all of these quotes. I, I absolutely think you got them from the wild. Church father argues for the filioque. I will show to you why you are only showing your ignorance and stupidity only, when you're doing that. I'm only showing my ignorance and stupidity. You got me. I am showing forth my stupid ignorance, and I'm I'm such a stupid idiot papist. Could you please, please, please let me know the truth? Because I'm just a stupid idiot papist. I'm just very stupid and ignorant. You got me. They might again quote John 15 26, oh, which, we says, might. which you know implies the son sends the spirit. Oh, Isn't that filioquish? Is it? Uh, they might quote my fathers like St. Ambrose. Yes. Who says the spirit is not then sent as it were from a place, it, nor does it, he proceed oh, as from a place. Oh, when wow. he proceeds from the son as the son himself, you when he us. says, I came forth from the father and I'm come into the world. You got us. Sounds pretty damning. St. Ambrose does explicitly sound says damning. that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the son. So, how do we solve this problem? How do we? Well, notice. That this procession that St. Ambrose is Notice. talking about is quite different from the processions that we were talking about Notice. throughout this video. It seems like St. Ambrose in here, when he's speaking of the Holy Spirit's procession from the Son, he's speaking of this procession in terms of the created order. The created order, dude. Because you see, as Orthodox Christians, we distinguish different kinds of processions. The procession that the Filioque controversy is about is full out about hypostatic procession. And that is only from the Father. However, there is economic procession as well. This is the procession of the Holy Spirit from the Father and the Son, which relates to creation, right? Remember. Yeah, I think we we, we kind of know about this. So if you'd if you'd let us know what the grounding for the economic processions are, that'd be great. Remember, all actions in the Trinity is from the Father through the Son and in the Holy Spirit. An example on this can be found from John twenty twenty two, which says, "And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost." Well, obviously the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Son here, but the Holy Spirit isn't coming into existence again and again when this is happening. It is rather that in God's divine activities that are external to him, especially in relation to creation, there is this procession going on. This guy just sounds like a social Trinitarian, not going to lie. He very much sounds like one. And so again, as you can see, Saint Ad the procession St. Ambrose is speaking of, I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. That is from the Father to the creation which is, again, economic procession. And then there is energetic procession or eternal manifestation, synonymous terms, which says, which speaks of the Holy Spirit's procession from the Father and the Son to ma manifest a divine energy eternally. So this is about eternal divine energies of God that 
do not relate to creation, but do relate to distinct persons. An example is from St. Gregory Palamas. The eternal joy of the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit since he is common to both with respect to his use, meaning that the Holy Spirit manifests the love between the Father and the Son um, eternally. Bro, this sounds like Arianism to me. It, it sounds like Arianism to me because you're talking about the love. And didn't, didn't you say like two minutes ago that that's Arianism? Bro, everybody's Arians. Because the divine love is an eternal energy. But then St. Gregory Palama says his existence derives solely from the Father. And hence, where his existence is concerned, he proceeds from the Father. So, St. Gregory Palamas is excellently speaking of three distinct processions that I'm noted here. He speaks of energetic procession in relation to the... And this is going to be a, a problem that all the Orthodox have. Basically, what they're going to do... And this is this is a bit uh, it's a bit funny if you really consider uh, the way in which we read texts is no matter you could throw at them all of Augustine's De Trinitate. And notice this isn't the historical uh, orthodox way of um, of dealing with these texts. Read um, the Acts of the Council of Florence with the way in which the Greeks responded to all of these texts from the fathers that the son is, I mean, the spirit is from the son. All of the filioque texts of the fathers. How are they going to respond to them? M forgeries. They're forgeries. And it's only later, um, after it's become abundantly clear that they're not forgeries, that they've made up this, okay, we're going to even when they're clearly talking about some sort of eternal procession, some sort of hypostatic procession, that we are just going to say that everything is referring to economic procession, and that economic procession has nothing to do with hypostatic procession. It has nothing to do with it. So by their standard, and I'd be interested to see if, uh, if, if we could do this, I could read an entire Roman Catholic manual of theology on the Trinity, and every time I see procession, I could just gloss it as economic procession. You know, they shouldn't actually have any problem with the filioque in the creed at all. Because when it comes to the filioque in the creed, I could just read it as an economic procession. So the orthodox, so you should uh, have no problem with me using the language of the filioque. That's just the traditional language of the Latin church. What, what is wrong with you? And it, it just gets to this level of silliness because it is just it, what it is. It's just a massive cope. It's just a huge cope, huge cope. The Trinitarian love. Then he mentions as a side note that the spirit is sent by both the father and the son to the saints, which is relating to the economic procession. And then he notes that in the hypostatic procession, the spirit proceeds from the father alone. Again, economic procession, energetic procession, these are things relating to divine activities, but hypostatic procession, this is a hypostatic procession. Um, it is a hypostatic um, aspect of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so that's why they are different. And that's why only the Father can, uh, the Holy Spirit can proceed only from the Father. And I want to finish my video with this. Thank you for listening. If this interested you, uh, make sure to like this video, subscribe if you haven't, share this with your friends who might want to need more on this. If you want a more a little bit of a more detailed treatise that has historical aspects to it. You can watch oh, my uh, video on the Filioque and Eight Ecumenical Council if you want to learn that there is a ecumenical council accepted both by the Roman West and the Orthodox East in the ninth century. I talk about this video uh, and you can check. Forgeries, man. Forgeries. They're all forgeries. Okay, I'm going to check the chat and then I should. My son, I think, woke up. So I'm going to go grab him. Oh, 17 of you right now. You guys are early wakers.
I'm going to go up real quick. Uh, yeah, a lot of YouTube theology people. Okay. Wait, who is the other author you mentioned alongside Paul? Um, uh, Bernard Lonergan, his um, work on the Trinity. Then there's also the SDS, which is the Sacre Theologiae Summa, which is a post-Vatican II uh, manual. It's pretty good. Lonergan's pretty good. His um, The Trinity uh, doct Doctrines, I think that's what it is in English. This is proof that Militant Thomas just doesn't sleep. Big if true. Would you debate Dyer on the Filioque? Probably. Um, maybe. Who knows? He would probably just spaz at me about a bunch of historical stuff I don't, don't really care about. <laughs> when they don't know how to distinguish between ad, ad intra will and ad extra will. Yeah, they don't really know uh, how much. They don't know much about um, imminent versus transient processions. Okay. John, not real name. Not sure this is a debunking as much of a spiteful spittle of a Tulsa side. You know what? I'm going to debunk you by blocking you. That's how I'm going to debunk you. Get out of here. John, not real name, gets debunked. Okay. Asserting Y proceeds from X is not a equal Y only proceeds from X. Faulty logic. Correct. <laughs> Ortho pro, you believe in the fo filioque? You're a shuffles deck, an Aryan. <laughs> Eastern Orthodox logic. Believe action reveals being. Believe the economic action show the sun sends the spirit. Deny the economic action is any connection to the imminent trinity. It, it, yeah, it's, it's silly. From Australia. What's up, dude? Okay. Well, you're welcome for all my people at the other parts of the world or people that wake up early. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna go. I think my son's awake. So goodbye. I hope you enjoyed. Make sure you subscribe, like this video, send it out everywhere to debunk the the Greeks so the Latins can um, assert our supremacy once again. And patreon.com slash militant Thomas if you want to be a patron. Okay, goodbye.